Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. The Christian's response to tragedy. And that response should be simple. Nevertheless, I will praise him. Did you hear what I said? Nevertheless, regardless, in lieu of, in spite of, everything that's going on around me, I have reason to praise the Lord. And I think this is what Psalms 147, or correction, 145 declares, that we have reason in our worst of times to say, nevertheless, I will praise God. No matter what's going on in our life, whether it be a natural disaster, such as what we're dealing with now, the loss of a loved one, financial distress, addiction, whatever it is, the statement remains true. Nevertheless, I will praise God. This is our responsibility, to praise God, even in our nevertheless. Amen? We've been talking, like I said, out of our last series, we talked about how God is great. Not only is He he, he great, He's loving. That He is all-powerful. That He holds authority. And because of all of those things, we should be able to unequivocally say, nevertheless, I will praise Him. Nevertheless, because nevertheless, God is King. God is sovereign. God is still on the throne. God is still in control. God still loves you. God still holds authority over all things. God is, and then therefore, I shall say, nevertheless, I choose to praise God in my storm. I choose to praise God when everything around me is upside down. In fact, moments like this give us what Pastor Rick referred to this week. He and I were talking about this, referred to it as our Moses and the Red Sea moment. We have a choice to make. With all this death and destruction around us, are we going to choose to press in and do what God tells us to do, or are we going to succumb to the threat that is before us? We have our opportunity for our own Nehemiah moment. Though everything is in disarray and destruction, even when people are coming against me, and telling me that I can't. Am I going to do what God told me to do? Am I going to believe what God says about himself. And what he says about me. Or am I going to succumb to the criticism? Am I going to succumb to the destruction? And I, am I going to succumb to the uncertainty that is in the world? And the fact of the matter is. We're not Moses or Nehemiah. But our response should be the same. I'm going to be obedient to God. Because God is in control. God is sovereign. God is on the throne. And he is everything. He is everything that scripture tells us that he is. Amen. And so that's what I hope to do today. I want to talk to you about how we are capable of saying, nevertheless, I will praise him because of the truths found in Psalms 145. And so if you don't mind, I'm going to read those. If you'll read along with me. What I, when I say I don't mind, I mean... If you don't mind to read along with me, because I don't care if you mind or not, I'm going to read it anyway. <laughs> Psalm 1, 
45, verse 1. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works I will meditate. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts, and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness. It will shout joyfully of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all, and His mercies are over all His works. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your godly ones shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Verse 14, the Lord sustains all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and kind in all His deeds. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him. To all who call upon Him in truth, He will fulfill the desire of those who fear Him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. The Lord keeps all who love Him, but all the wicked He will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh will bless His holy name forever and ever. Amen. So this is a psalm of David. It's obviously a psalm of praise. And so I've got several points I want to make out of this. What I I stated a moment ago, I want to restate. And that is, I'm hoping to bring assurance to you through the Word of God to be able to say, nevertheless, I will praise the Praise God based on the truths that are found in this text. Amen? And so the first point I want to make today, point one, nevertheless, I will praise God because He is great. Verse one through seven, and I'll read it again for the sake of clarity. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works I will meditate. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts and will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. And so I will say, nevertheless, I will praise God because He is great. We've talked about this, like I said in the last series. He's great in His authority. He's great in His love. He's great in all of these things. And because of that, I can trust that He is who the Word of God says that He is. I want to make that abundantly clear. But let me tell you a a truer, a truer truth. A more important truth. 
He is who He is to those who call Him their King. I don't want you to get past the verbiage. I think too often we read our Bible too fast. And the verse says, I will extol you, which means I will bless and loudly praise you. My God, O King. Did you catch that? My God, O King. My God. Everybody say, my God. This promise, the promises of all of this, the promises of the nevertheless, are for the people who can say, my God, He is my God. He created all things, but He is God and Savior to those that call on Him, that extol Him, that praise Him loudly and worship Him, that declare the name of Jesus above all things. We have to understand that we have to start with an understanding that He is our God first. Because if He's not our God, we can't call Him these things. We can't call Him King. We can't bless His name. And we can't praise Him. Because if we're going to call Him King, that means that we have to submit to what He tells us to do. To call God King means that we are in a theocracy, not a democracy, which means the law of the land isn't what you need to be most concerned with. It's the law found in the Word of God. And if you're not willing to submit to God as king, then you've not submitted to God at all. We have to recognize that I can say, nevertheless, I will praise him because he is great only if I've acknowledged his greatness through a declaration of his son Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so not only can I not call him king, I can't bless him, which means to exalt him. I can't put him in a higher position if I don't call him king, if he doesn't belong to me, because until we come to an understanding and humble ourselves and recognize that we can't save ourselves, we have ourselves exalted and not God. And let me tell you, that's a sure path to destruction. The Bible is very clear about those that will not inherit the kingdom of God, and it starts with a humility of spirit to say that I exalt you, that I lift you up before myself. It says in this scripture, that He will bless those and save those that bow down. We have a responsibility to bow down. First in obedience, and then in an acknowledgement of an exaltation of Him. Not only can we not call Him King if He doesn't belong to us, not only can we not exalt Him if He doesn't belong to us, but we can't truly and rightfully praise Him either. How are you going to praise a God you don't believe in? Like people in the church, praise God. That's how. Y'all ready? Bring your steel toe boots in here? Because this is how you do it. This is how you praise God without knowing God. During worship. Not engaging. Let me tell you, if you've tasted grace and you're given an opportunity to praise God, you'll praise God. I can say, nevertheless, I will praise Him because He is great, because I know His greatness. And I don't know His greatness intellectually. I know His greatness spiritually, because I have His Holy Spirit living inside of me. And it's by the power of that Holy Spirit that I'm able to do all of these things. Amen? And so we have to start 
there. We have to acknowledge by calling him king, by exalting him and praising him. And we can't do that unless we have faith. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that without faith it's impossible to please him. You know why it's impossible to please him? Because you're not able to do any of these things. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So let me ask you a question. Do you believe that he is? And do you believe that as you seek him, he will reward you? Then surely you can also say, nevertheless, I will praise God because he's great. Hmm. If you have that assurance, if you know that to be true, you have a responsibility. And that is to share your assurance with someone else. I love the text because it continues by saying, Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts and will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. Verse 4 says, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. You know what your responsibility is? To tell people about the God that you serve. If He's acted wonderfully on your behalf and you're breathing, so He has... And if you find yourself in the morning not breathing, but in His presence, He really has. You're supposed to tell somebody else. Declare His wonderful acts. This isn't a new commandment. Deuteronomy 11.19 says, You shall teach them to your sons, talking of them, when you sit in your house, and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You know why this generation is so rattled? These generations are so rattled when stuff happens around them? Because I'll tell you, my grandfather wasn't rattled by anything that I've ever seen. You know why the younger generations, my generation and below? Because his generation forgot to tell me about the God that he ended up knowing. Did you catch that? You want to know why your kids are so easily swayed back and forth while they're double-minded? Why, according to the word, as double-minded, they can't receive anything from the Lord? Because we haven't told them generationally the God that we serve is capable of taking care of them. And so when the world does turn upside down, when something tumultuous does happen, they go, what do I grab a hold of? Because they've never been introduced to the anchor that will hold them. This is our responsibility. Let us profoundly and boldly declare from one generation to the next that you don't have to worry. You have the ability to say, nevertheless, I will praise God because He is great. And if He is great, He's capable of taking care of you. Thank you it's the importance of our testimony. I love, a test- I love a good testimony. You know why? Because it declares God did such and such for so and so. God saved Bill Wolfenberger's life last year. You know, the Bible says that he's not a respecter of persons. God, I mean. And so if he saved David's life, or Bill's life, last year, that means he's willing to save my life this year. If he was willing to save your wife last year, he's willing to save my wife this year. 
if he's willing to provide financially for so and so, he's willing to he's willing to provide financially to me. It's the word of the testimony that's so important, and it's our responsibility to give it. Amen. Mm. Number two, well, correction. Real fast. This is true throughout Scripture. When we teach people generationally that they can trust God, they come to a place where they find peace that isn't based in their situation. When you trust God, you'll find a peace that you're not finding in in your situation. Read your Bible. Jonah was in the worst place he'd ever been, probably the worst place any of us have ever been. And found the most peace he's ever had. Abraham gave up everything that he had. And found the greatest peace he'd ever known. Paul. Beaten, shipwrecked. Stoned. Put in prison. Found the greatest peace and contentment he'd ever had. Philippians 4.1 He was content. Regardless of his circumstances. What that word said. You know why? Because they understood that their peace wasn't contingent on their situation. Their peace was contingent on the fact that their God is great. Number two. Nevertheless, I will praise God because of His grace and mercy. Verse 8 and 9 says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all and His mercies are over all of His works. He is gracious, merciful, loving, kind, and good. And because He's all of those things, I'm not turned upside down with my circumstance. Because He is all of those things, I know that I can praise Him. Because he is all of those things, I know I can say nevertheless. My situation doesn't matter in regard to who God is and the mercy and the grace that he's shown us. He's never given us what we deserve before. Why would he give us what we deserve now? Right? That's grace. Giving you what you don't deserve. That's mercy. Being in the place to judge you or condemn you or kill you and deciding not to. He's never given us what we deserve before. Why would He start now? We deserve punishment. And God gave mercy. We deserve wrath. And God gave loving kindness. Romans 1.18 For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Can I ask you, have you ever been ungodly or unrighteous? Yes. But you know what? Jesus Christ came to save us from that. To save us from the wrath of God. Romans 2.5, but because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, anybody ever had a stubborn or unrepentant heart? You are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation for the righteous judgment of God. Except that we didn't get what we deserved. He gave us Jesus instead. Why? Because He's loving, because He's gracious, because He's merciful, because He's good, because He cares about us. He's never given us what we deserve. I don't expect Him to start right now. I'm going to praise Him because He loves me. And He loves me so much that He extended that love to me in the form of grace and mercy. 
And you should too. These truths are seen beautifully in the Gospel as they're seen in Jesus Christ. God desires to spend eternity with us. Get your head around that. Well, try to get your head around that. Because why would something so, why would a God so beautiful want to spend eternity with me? Let me tell you why. Because He loves you. Love doesn't have to have a reason. It has to have an object. Oh, that's good. That's not in my notes. Y'all need to write that down. (laughs) And you're the object of His love. Not because you deserve His love. And for that reason, John 3.16 is so beautiful. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But you know what? As beautiful as that is, there's two verses after that that are even more beautiful than that. For God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. He who believes in Him is not judged, He who does not believe in Jesus has been judged already. Why is is that beautiful? Why is that more beautiful than John 3.16? You don't see people at ball games with a sign that says John 3.17. It's more beautiful because you were judged before Jesus showed up. You were already condemned. Because of His love for you, all you have to do is make a a declaration according to Romans 10.9 that He is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead and you shall be saved. Removing you from the judgment that you're already in. Man, that's so good. God is good. Can I get a God is good? Nevertheless, I will praise Him because of His mercy and grace. Number three. Nevertheless, I will praise God because of His glorious kingdom. Mm Mm-hmm. 10 through 13 reads like this. I get excited. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your godly ones shall bless you. Can we bless God for just a second? Can we just say how good and marvelous and wonderful God is? That He loves us and has poured out grace and mercy on us? That His goodness has no bounds or limits towards us? That He sees us, that He holds us in His righteous right hand. That He is truly our strong tower that we have a right to run to in our time of need. That He has lifted us up out of the miry clay and placed Him in a firm foundation, which is Jesus Christ. And all we have to do is say, yes, Lord. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. To make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of your majesty and the majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Two truths I want to break free here. And it's the reason why I'm capable of saying nevertheless I will praise him because his glorious kingdom. We are part of it now and we will be part of it eternally. Can I encourage you to not wait until you die to celebrate the fact that you're already a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? That you live in the kingdom of heaven right now? Because the kingdom of heaven is Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus 
throughout Scripture is declared to be in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you just celebrate that you have the authority right now to do as Christ did and even greater things than Christ did according to His Word? Can we celebrate that we get the, the privilege of praying right now, not when we die, but right now, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which means that we can say, God, there's no sickness in heaven, let there be no sickness here. There's no sadness in heaven, let there be no sadness here. There's no destruction in heaven, let there be no destruction here. This is the privilege that we have as believers because we are in Christ Jesus. The kingdom is Christ. And I can prove this to you. Oh, I run myself out of breath. I can prove this to you in Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. Now, having been questioned by the Pharisees, Jesus having been questioned by the Pharisees, as to when the kingdom was coming, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. He said, I am the kingdom of God. I'm standing here. Don't wait for miraculous signs and wonders. I'm standing right here. And if Christ is the kingdom of heaven come to earth, and we are in Christ, then we have the authority of that which is in the kingdom right now. God, praise the Lord. You want to talk about giving you some assurance and some comfort for right now, regardless of what's going on around you. This should do it. I praise God because of His glorious kingdom. But not only praise the Lord, is the kingdom right now, His kingdom is forever. Luke 19, 11 through 12 says this. While they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem. He was near Jerusalem. That's important because he was going to Jerusalem to do what? To die. And they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. So he's going to Jerusalem. And in their mind, in the Jewish thinking, the Savior, the Messiah, was going to come and overthrow the, the earthly government. When in fact, that wasn't the intent at all. So he said a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. That's a weird response. Isn't it? Because he's going to Jerusalem and they're all thinking, man, you're going to overthrow the government. You're going to give us back Jerusalem. You're going to run Rome out. We're gonna, Jews are finally going to have their state back. And he goes, I'm going away, but I'll be back. And they're all, wait, what? What? I tell you that to tell you that he's gone away right now because he's coming back. He's not left you here as orphans. He's coming back for you. Thank you, Lord, indeed. That's, that's incredible. Luke 14.3 says, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am you may be also. So there's a kingdom now, and we celebrate. I praise God because we live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven right now. I praise God. Nevertheless, I praise God because we're the citizens of the kingdom of heaven eternally. That he's gone right now and promised us that he's going to come back for us. Not only that, but that he's bringing us to a beautiful home, a beautiful eternal home. That's good for me. You know why? Because life is fleeting. James 4.14 says, Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor 
that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Man, these people that think high and mighty of their self, they just got the red licked right off their lollipop. Right? They think the world revolves around them. Somebody just come and pop their balloon. Because he said, listen to me, everything you got going on, everything that you accomplish, every dollar you make, every success that you come across isn't going to matter 10,000 years from now. Matter of fact, you may not even remember it 10,000 years from now. Too many of us live as though this is the job. This isn't the job. This is the application process to see whether or not you're worthy of the job. So we need to recognize that our life is a vapor and live our life according to that truth. Mm. And I praise Him because our kingdom is eternal. His kingdom is eternal. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we always be with the Lord. Again, because of this, because of His glorious kingdom, I say, nevertheless, regardless of what's going on around me right now, my responsibility as a believer is to say I will praise Him. Number four, I will praise God because of His goodness. 14 through 21 reads like this. The Lord sustains all who fall and raise up all who are bowed down. I'm not going to take a lot of time expounding on this. I just want you to listen to the promises in this. The promises of His goodness towards you in this text. The Lord sustains all who fall and raise up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you. And you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. And we worry about our provision. God's goodness is capable of providing for us. Verse 17, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth, which means without deception and according to the word. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear Him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. I'm going to say that again. He will fulfill the desires of those who fear Him. He will hear their cry and will save them. Right now our community is crying out for help. The Bible tells us that He will sustain us, that He will watch over us. That he will fulfill the desires of those that reverence him. And when we cry out to him, he hears us. The Lord keeps all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. And all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. Verse 21. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. That's David saying, nevertheless, I will praise him. What's our responsibility? To praise Him. To nevertheless praise Him. We praise Him because of His goodness. Let me explain to you what His goodness looks like in your life. And I can say this without exception. His goodness in your life plays out in Romans 8.28. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care if you're dealing with a tornado. And it's not that I don't care what I'm saying in regard to how big God is. Romans 8.28 is still true. 
that we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. It may seem like it's upside down, like it's not like it's supposed to be. And in fact, if it weren't a fallen world, it would probably be different. But it is a fallen world, but you have a promise. But if you'll just say, nevertheless, I will praise you, regardless of your circumstance, because you belong to him, because you love him, and because you have been called according to his purpose, at some point in your future, you're going to look back and be, I see how God worked that out for my good. 